the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado, and this week I've had a lot of fun filling in for my pastor on this show. Pastor Ron uh, normally takes your Bible questions, questions about uh, about the Word of God, how to put the Word of God into practice in your lives, and what, what the Word of God means if you have doctrinal questions, questions that we can answer that would help you fall deeper in love with Jesus. That's why we're here. So the show continues uh, as usual. But let me give you a quick uh, programming notes since uh, this is Friday. It's the last uh, episode of the week. Pastor Ron will be back live on the air Monday, 4 o'clock. He actually arrives back in town tomorrow. You can keep him and Paula in prayer. Um, Tonight is Friday, so that means we have our New Testament study. Uh, Pastor Chris Garcia will be teaching. And then uh, tomorrow here at the church, we have prayer, as usual, at 9.30 a.m. The phone number is 210-340-9585-210-340-9585-877-630-5757. And then questions at Calvary SA. That's your email, questions at calvarysa.com. Excuse me. That's the email address to submit your questions. Let's get right to our phone lines. Anonymous on line one, you're on the air. I have a question for you. As a uh, Christian, how could I better better roll with the with the devil's punches and be more effective about it? Okay, I listen to your response on the radio. Okay. Well, thank you for your question, Anonymous. Uh, again, I look forward to the beginning of the show. You have been very consistent, and and I just want to thank you for calling. Uh, so my answer may not be what what you normally hear but when it comes to spiritual warfare uh it, we are constantly under attack as new believers, as, as believers in Jesus. Uh, we have a large target on our back. We know that the enemy is relentless and we know that he uh, has his hope purpose is to to spend all of his energy to kill steal and destroy uh, and that's all he wants to do and so when you say how better to roll with the punches uh, my answer anonymous is to fix your eyes upon jesus the author and the finisher of our faith from Hebrews chapter 12. If we fix our eyes on anything else or anyone else, including the enemy, then guess what? My attention is all going to be consumed by what the enemy is doing. And too often, uh, 
Christians don't have a solid biblical understanding of spiritual warfare, the truth is we are constantly under attack and we shouldn't be surprised by it. We should expect it, especially if you're serving the Lord, you're being fruitful in ministry. If you're in the word of God, because of our flesh, we have this sinful nature that is drawn like a magnet to, to sin. And then there's the, the enemy of our souls that's constantly from the outside trying to uh, discourage us, uh, trying to distract us. Our society, the the the, life, the the place in which we live in, everywhere you go, there is temptation for sin. And so, what we do, anonymous, is is when the enemy attacks, we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Now, practically, what I would say is this, that the the mind is the battlefield for spiritual warfare. And what I mean by that is this. It's, it's always in our minds where the enemy is going to try to attack us. And uh, what we do then is make sure that we have the mind of Christ. And, and we take every thought captive Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 10, it reminds us that, that we have to take our thoughts captive, not just captive, but we have to take them captive and force them to the obedience of Christ through his word. And what that means is that when we have a thought in our mind that we know is not from Jesus, we don't waste any more time trying to investigate who it's from, why it happened, or what does it really mean. We don't waste any time trying to find out if there's deeper meaning to it. We just take it captive and we say no, and we think about what the Word of God says. Anytime, any one of our thoughts at any given moment is contradictory to God's Word, then we just stop and take that thought captive. That's how you can roll with the punches. Don't spend any time trying to engage in any warfare with the enemy. Don't follow any of this nonsense that tells you to, to rebuke and cast out and, 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 and try to fight demons. And It's all a waste of time. If you fix your eyes on Jesus and you spend time with him, Though the attacks won't stop, you'll stop paying too much attention to them. And your attention will be consumed by Jesus. And then Anonymous, what you'll find out is this. As you do that regularly and you make it a habit uh, not to look for attacks, but to just look at Jesus, you'll stop counting the number of attacks. You'll start... Uh, spending time with him and in falling deeper in love with him. It's almost like, you know, when, when the Psalms tell us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous, they run into it and they're safe. Being with Jesus is like running into that strong tower. Jesus is that tower. And behind him, that, that shield of faith that, that Ephesians chapter 6 describes, that shield of faith protects us from all the fiery darts of the enemy. And then our minds uh, are set on the things of God's word, the things of, of Jesus, and everything else doesn't distract us. Anonymous, I, I hope that helps. Take your thoughts captive and force them into the obedience of Christ through his word. And you'll find you're not going to waste time uh, thinking about what the enemy's doing or what he's up to. Uh, there's an old story about Martin Luther uh, when going through a night of unrest. Uh, he, in his room, at at his bed, at the foot of his bed, hears some rustling, opens his eyes, sees the shadow of somebody there. And all he says is this, oh, it's you. And he just goes right back to sleep. No, I don't know if that's actually a true story or not, but the idea is, the principle is, that 
he doesn't spend, he didn't spend a whole bunch of time trying to figure out and investigate, you know, what is this, what's going on and who, who was this? He knew that it just wasn't a word of encouragement from the Lord and just, just went back to sleep. I want you to do the same thing. Take your thoughts captive anonymous to the obedience of Christ. And at the same time, when you're taking your thoughts captive, you're going to be with Jesus. Be with him wherever he's at. Thank you for your call, Anonymous. 210 That's the number to dial in with your questions. 877-630-5757. And then the email address, questions at calvarysa.com. I already mentioned this, but I didn't get to talk about Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, if you haven't heard him teach, just come tonight, 7 o'clock. If you've got um, a, a time to come visit us, that'd be great. Pastor Chris, some I've heard some people tell me, and I'm sure some have told him, that they resemble, or his his teaching style and his voice resembles another Calvary pastor from Southern California from a long time ago. Actually, from he's still teaching. Raul Reese sounds like Pastor Chris. I think Pastor Chris sounds like Pastor Chris. I love his heart. I, I love his style. And he's so straightforward, but he's got such a tender heart for the Lord. You you can't miss it. And you will be encouraged. And again, that's tonight, our Friday night New Testament study at 7 p.m. Okay. Uh Next question is anonymous. What are your thoughts on Stephen Furtick? Stephen Furtick is uh, the pastor of Elevation Church. And it's a very big church. I think it's in the East Coast, North Carolina. Uh, quick answer is I, I cannot recommend Stephen Furtick to anyone. And I understand he's a com- he's a very extremely popular pastor. He's got a huge church. He's a wonderful communicator. His style lends itself to a younger crowd. But I- I'm not an expert in in what he's done. But he has, in the last few years, really had close relationships with with really bad teachers. His church has partnered with a lot of the uh, teachers that are a part of this, uh, the new apostolic reformation, and it's just terrible teaching. Uh, it's the same same organization that it's tied in with a whole bunch of other uh, false doctrines. Uh, Bill Johnson, uh, uh, Bethel is part of it also, and there's just a whole bunch of weirdness there and and and, and the, the most damaging thing is that uh, they don't just teach the bible there are so many extra biblical things that they're focused on and i don't think that benefits anyone now as far as his particular teaching and his doctrine i i, I don't think he's actually heretical in his doctrinal beliefs. I think he he adheres to mainline Christian orthodoxy. I know he came from uh, a Southern Baptist background in his education, but uh, I don't think he's part of the SBC. But the, the big issues are just the platform that he he offers and shares other with other people are are just people I would not recommend anyone to listen to, and so I wouldn't recommend anyone to uh, anyone to attend a church that doesn't that supports things that the Bible doesn't. The anonymous, I I don't know if uh, that helps. I hope it does. Let's move on. Oh, we've got. Let's go to our phone lines. Uh, Cindy from San Antonio, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. 
Hey, Pastor Ken. It's good to have you this week. It's, it's been very enjoyable and informative. Hi, Cindy. Thank you. Now, all week, I've, this has been kind of percolating in, in my brain about when uh, Moses, when, when God put a cleft in the rock for Moses so that he could pass by him, and he wouldn't see his face, because if anybody sees the face of God, I imagine we'd be vaporized. It says that we won't, right. we wouldn't live through it. But but he let Moses see his backside. Now that got right. me into that got me into reading in Luke two, uh, verse uh, chapter two, verse uh, twenty five. Starting, it talks about Simon, who was a very righteous and devout uh, believer. And I'm imagining that Simon really knew the Old Testament. And then in verse 26, it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, mm -hmm. what I'm thinking, what got me on, on this was that when, when Jesus was on the earth, these people were looking into the face of God. And, and I'm wondering if, um, you know, not, not you know, like the face of God in heaven, but, you know, because Jesus was... I understand. Was, you know, they're looking no, I understand. The and I'm wondering how absolutely for the ones who actually understood who they were looking at, how mind-blowing it must have been. And I'm wondering if Simon, Simon must have really understood who he was looking at. And and it's just that whole thing. I've been thinking about it all week long, how incredible that must have been. So I'll get off the phone and let you make a comment. Okay, great, Cindy. I love that. I love that. So the, the passage that you opened up your question with about Moses in Exodus chapter 33 is, is a perfect example of someone from the Old Testament who understood that they, they would look forward to their Messiah, even Moses. Even Moses, and we've just studied this uh, on Friday nights, these, these patriarchs, these champions of faith from the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, each one of them demonstrated a faith that looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And at the end of that chapter, it says, but even then, even though they didn't receive the promise, they were looking forward to it. And I love that because Simon that you described in Luke chapter 2 fits that exact example because he, in a sense, got to do what a lot of the Old Testament uh, patriarchs, those who died in faith looking for the Messiah, did not get to do. So I'll, I'll quickly read uh the uh, the verse that you talked about here in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting, that's the key, for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The fact that he was waiting tells us that he knew what the scriptures said. And then in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then that's when he went into the next verse, he went into the temple courts. And then when he saw Jesus, skipping down to verse 29, this is what he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory uh, and for glory to your people Israel. He was a man that knew what the Word of God said and, and the way you describe it, Cindy, is perfect. There was a burning excitement within him because he knew this was going to come to fruition in his own life. When the Holy Spirit had promised him, you, Simeon, are, are not going to die until you see this salvation. When he saw Jesus, and the picture here is that he took, in verse 28, he took Jesus into his arms as a baby. 
And I just want to pause for a moment and think about just the overwhelming sense of satisfaction, fulfillment. It's almost as if his life's purpose had been fulfilled. He, he got to do what all of the people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 didn't. What they were waiting to do. And I, I just imagine that him knowing about the patriarchs and knowing that they were waiting for and looking forward to the coming of the Savior, he got to do it for all of them. And in verse 28, he held the Son of God, God the Son, in his arms, and he praised God. He looked up to heaven and, and, and praised God. And you're right. It must have been overwhelming beyond words that I can describe, but I know his heart was filled with joy. Now, let's make this personal. Today, for those of us who are born again, we have an even greater revelation. Though we don't hold the Son of God, God the Son, in our own hands, what we have is even greater because we hold Him in our hearts. And, and we look back to Jesus, not as a baby, but as the, the suffering servant who died for me on the cross. You see, Simeon had not seen that yet, though he knew of what was going to happen. No doubt he was familiar with Isaiah's prophecy. But that would be in the future for him. When, I, uh, when we as Christians today, just think about this for a second. We read Luke chapter 2, and we read about the overwhelming sense of, of gratitude that, that Simeon has in his heart as he gazes into the eyes of his Savior. How much more should we? How much more should we who, who know Jesus, who have him living and active in our hearts, speaking to us constantly when he's already died and has already risen uh, from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father. We have the Word of God that can look back at Simeon's story. But I would contend that we have even a, an even greater revelation, an even greater gift in the Holy Spirit, in God the Son, living in us, that should move us to a place that is not just as grateful as Simeon, but even greater. We need to make it that personal. And, and I would take it one step further and say, if you don't, then you cheat yourself from walking in the fullness of, of God's presence. You cheat yourself because you don't get to experience the fullness of His grace every single moment of every single day. This is the type of attitude, my friends, that will protect you from uh, what Anonymous was talking about in his call, being so distracted by uh, the enemy's attacks around us. Thank you, Cindy, for bringing that up. Uh, that's something that I could s spend hours talking about. I read about Simeon, and in this short passage, I can almost hear the inflection in his voice. He's moved to tears because everything that he's waited for all his life, he now holds in his hands. Well, I've shared with you this week, I know when I got saved that everything I've been looking for all my life I found in Jesus Christ everything. And looking back at the cross today, we can remember that every single day. And whatever trial we're, we're dealing with, whatever difficulty, whatever bad news 
we are wrestling with or, or, or questions without answers that are like a dark cloud following us wherever we go. We look to people like Simeon and the gratitude that he has and today have that same, if not greater, gratitude in our hearts. Thank you, Cindy, for that, that word of encouragement. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. We are coming up to the break. So the first half of our Friday edition is coming to an end. So I won't take a question. Uh, we'll wait for the, after the break. But let me say this. It has really been my pleasure to sit with you, uh, the radio listening audience, to take your calls and questions. Um, uh, this is something I will be completely candid with you. Uh, I don't have the gift that Pastor Ron has. He is <laughs> he has a gift to share his heart and to answer questions. But the Lord spoke to me and said, fill in for him while he's gone. And and so I I'm glad I did. There's the music that indicates we're at the end of the first half of the show. We'll see you in two minutes. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the last day of the show for the week. This is the Friday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. And if you're one of the uh, drivers that tune in, at the second half of the show, uh, my name is Pastor Ken Cruzado, and I'm filling in, uh, I've been filling in this week for, for Pastor Ron. He will return uh, back into San Antonio tomorrow. Both he and Paula have enjoyed their time. Um, they're going to come back recharged and refreshed. And so this week I've, I've been able to uh, spend time with the radio listening audience, taking your calls and your questions. And for the second half, of today's show, we're going to continue doing the same thing. And so let's get right to it. Uh, the phone numbers, 210 That's the toll-free number. Questions at calvarysa.com. That's the email address, questions, plural, at calvarysa.com to submit your questions. Okay. The next question comes from Andrew. Andrew says, if God doesn't force people to go to heaven because that would be forced love, then why do babies and little children go straight to heaven when they die? Since he does take babies to heaven without a choice, then why doesn't he do the same with people so that there would be no suffering? Uh, so, Andrew, I, I think there's a, something we need to clarify with your question here, and the answer is pretty simple. Romans chapter 1, Paul the Apostle writing, says that there is a general revelation of God given to all people and, and, and then once this revelation has been given, we are without excuse. And he uses uh, nature, he uses everything around us. But this void that we have in each and every one of our hearts is, is a, a void that God can only fill. And, and his witness, God's witness to that empty heart is given in everything, in nature through the Word of God. But but the point is that once we reach a level of understanding, we make a choice whether we want to believe it or not. If we choose not to believe it, then we are without excuse. We are without excuse. So, so in other words, they can't blame their ignorance or their lack of knowledge. And this general revelation in Romans 1, it, as it talks about nature revealing 
God, it, it does so by saying that those who, Paul says, those who are seeking after God will find him. But here's the interesting part, to your, and to your question, when you make the correlation from an adult or, or, or a person who is old enough to, to discern between right and wrong, and you try to connect that to babies, the argument falls short because the Old Testament tells us in Deuteronomy, in the first chapter, that babies, the, the, the little ones, though having a sinful nature, still do not yet know good from bad. And, and, and so, because God will hold us accountable to what we know, again, Romans chapter 1, uh, if you have heard that your sin can be forgiven, and you've heard the offer of salvation uh, extended to you by Jesus Christ and reject it, then you're without excuse. But if you still don't understand that, like a baby wouldn't, be able to understand or comprehend that, then that's when we know Jesus will take those babies straight to be in his presence. That's why David, King David, had a solid grasp on this. And it wasn't something that he was uh, unsure about. He was definitive in Second Samuel chapter 12. Remember when his baby, uh, born from Bathsheba, was dying and not doing well. He spent day after day in mourning and in sackcloth uh, praying to God that the baby would be saved. But the baby didn't make it. The baby died. And, and, and so vividly the picture is painted there as the servants in David's home would be afraid to tell him that the baby didn't make it. Once he found out that the baby died, he got up, cleaned himself off, put on regular clothes, and he said, it's time to go to work. And then the servants looked at David and said, well, we don't understand. You, you begged and pleaded with God to save the baby, and now that you found out the baby is dead, aren't you devastated? Don't you feel like quitting? How could you just get up? and go on. And then David said, I will go to him, but he will not come back to me. That's in the 23rd verse. And, and David knew without a doubt that his baby would be in heaven with Jesus and that when it was time for David to pass from this life and enter into eternity with Jesus, he would see his baby. This is why this age of accountability and whatever that age is, it's not a fixed number, but it's an age at which uh, the person understands that they have sinned, that there is a difference between right and wrong, and they are accountable to that truth. We are accountable to the truth that has been revealed to us. Babies wouldn't have had this revelation, so they would be accountable to that. So, Andrew, I, I hope that answers your question. Let's go ahead and go back to our phone lines. Ray from San Antonio, you're on the air. Hi, Ken. It's Pastor Ken. Thank you for taking my call. When you mentioned babies, I thought of Roe <laughs> Wade and the number of babies that had probably just gone straight to be with uh, the maker, right? That's right. That's and, right. Absolutely. And as 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 we understand, uh, the road is is narrow, and few will make it. And so, what the 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 enormous? I don't know how. To, how to fathom the the math on that, the arithmetic, but I don't, you know, I know there's a lot of people on the planet, and a lot of people have come and gone, and, you know, uh, I just wondered, it, it crossed my mind that, boy, there's going to be a lot of 
you know, <laughs> small <laughs> souls, and and what would their bodies even be like, or or however you want to play around with that a little bit for my my <laughs> feeble brain, it just it right. just leaps at craziness. So I'm gonna listen right. on the on the radio. Thank you, Ray, for your call. What, what, what a staggering thought. You're absolutely right. Uh, those millions and millions and millions of babies that have been aborted uh, since 1973 are babies that went straight into the presence of Jesus. And, and, and in a way that I cannot explain, uh, there will be uh, wonderful reunions for so many uh, parents that never got to see their baby. Uh, not not just the babies that were aborted, but the babies that that didn't make it to f- full term, uh, because the babies uh, they didn't know the difference between right and wrong and as that wasn't the case with King David, they will, the parents will get to go see their babies in heaven. Now, what they will look like, who knows, but I know they'll be the perfect age. I know they'll be, uh, uh, even if they were babies, they will be uh, grown up in a way to where they would be able to recognize one, ch- one another, even if they've never seen each other face to face. And that's, that is a staggering thought to me. And, 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 and there won't be a reunion of condemnation. There won't be any guilt and there won't be any shame. Because the only people in heaven will be the ones whose sin has been forgiven. And so that reunion will be a, 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 a rejoicing reunion. I, I just can't imagine what that would be like, but I know this, uh, that today... Uh, there are many people, particularly mothers, but not only mothers, but particularly mothers that carry this guilt and this shame. And the comfort that I give them is, is that their sins have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. All their past sin, their present sin, and their future sin. So, God does not hold their past against them. Because because it's such a personal thing, uh, abortion leaves a lot of emotional, mental scars. And there are some women that carry that guilt and shame when they don't have to. And so the the one comfort in that is as a born-again believer... Your sin is forgiven, and the reunion that you'll have one day in heaven is is going to be a glorious one. Uh, there won't be any anger or resentment from the child to the mother. There won't be any questions about why did you do this or or how could you do this to me. And 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 to me, I find that that always provides a sense of comfort. And so, Ray, thank you for for the call. That's what I think of. I think of the the heartache. I think of the the pain. It is not God's will for these young babies to be aborted, to be killed, to be murdered. And the sheer numbers of them, the millions and millions. And and I I read uh, the crazy statistics today, like, in big, large cities like New York City, there are more babies aborted in one day than there are being born. And, and it's heartbreaking. Some of these babies would have grown up to be pastors. Some of them grown up to be leaders, Bible teachers, husbands and wives. But when it comes to uh, the comforting part of dealing with people who have that in their past, I always remind them that heaven's going to be a great place where there will be a lot of glorious reunions. It's heartbreaking 
on this side of eternity. But the comfort we have in being born again is that our our sins are as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up again. And we get up like David, and we look forward to the day when we get to see uh, the baby in heaven, but in the meantime, we're going to serve Jesus with a grateful heart. Oh, I hope that encourages somebody out there, because I, I, I know in all of the counseling that we do, this is something that is so personal and so sensitive and buried deep into the hearts of so many people. And whenever talk about babies come up and, and abortion is mentioned, it, it can hit home to a lot of people. I hope you find comfort in that. 210 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. we still got some time left in the, the, the show to call in with your questions. 877-630-5757. That's your toll-free number. And then the email address is questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, let's go on to our next question. Kathy says, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, and the greatest of these is charity, defined as love. I know, but which is the original Greek word here? What are the four words of for love, and can you explain? Thank you. The short answer to your question here, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, is in this particular verse is the word agape. And I'll go through quickly each one of these and explain what the difference is and why they're significant, um, with agape being the last one. Phileo is the first of the four. There really is five, some even six, but the Bible only uses four. Um, Brotherly love is what phileo means. It's where we get the name for the city of Philadelphia, where the Church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation is also named after. And phileo means brotherly love. Uh, in John chapter 13, remember when, when Jesus was speaking uh, to his disciples, he said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And, and the idea there is as as brothers, uh, loving one another would be attractive. That type of brotherly love, love, and it's not just brothers, but it's love for your fellow brother, fellow sister. Uh, that's what phileo is. Eros is the second love. And this actually is a word that's not used. I, I, I don't think it's used in the New Testament. But this word means erotic love. It's physical love. This is, um, obviously, the root word eros is, is not used in the New Testament, but it is described in Song of Solomon. And this is also including romantic love. God designed sex to be... Uh, a manifestation of his love. It's a gift given to a husband and a wife. And, and the way they can demonstrate this love, this eros, is through that physical relationship. It, and, and it's a beautiful thing as it's described the way God intended in the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, however it's named in your Bible. Uh, the third one is storge. And storge is more of a natural love, a familial love, the love one would have within a family-type relationship. Uh, a good example is a mother's love for her baby. This is a familial love. And Romans uh, chapter 12 describes this uh, in a way that, that Paul the Apostle says, be devoted to one another in love and in, in affection and he's commanding believers there to really care for one, each other in, in love like a family would and, and Paul uses this also in his letter to the Thessalonians 
uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's the first letter, that when he's describing, in fact, twice he uses this, he uses uh, the love that a father would have for a son and a, and a nursing mother would have for his baby. That type of intimacy that's a natural type of affection. And the fourth and the last word that the Bible uses for love is agape love. This is what we hear about more often. Uh, this is the sacrificial, the unconditional love that is described in First Corinthians chapter 13, Kathy, uh, and throughout the New Testament scriptures simply because this is the love that Jesus demonstrates for us. It's a sacrificial, unconditional love. It isn't based on my performance. It isn't based on um, my consistency. It isn't based on my ability to maintain it. I can't maintain it. This is a gift that is 100% uh, given to us, poured out upon us from Jesus into our hearts. And when Jesus himself describes uh, this type of love, again, I'll just use one passage in John, John's Gospel in the 15th chapter. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And, and the idea here is that God's love, the love that Jesus has demonstrated for those of us who are born again, he's actually demonstrated it for the entire world. John chapter, First uh, John chapter two tells us that, uh, that, that when he died, he died for the sins of the entire uh, of the entire world, and that sacrifice wasn't based on your performance. It was unconditional. It's efficacious for those who are born again. Meaning, this agape love that he's poured into our hearts, since it can only come from Jesus, we can't manufacture this type of love ourselves. No matter how much you think you love your spouse or your children or your job or love, this agape love only comes from Jesus. And he set an example for us. Like I said in John chapter 15, Love one another just as I have loved you. So, Kathy, I hope that helps. This is, this is, uh, you know, when the fruits of the Spirit are described in, in Galatians chapter 5, the word there for fruits is actually singular. It's really the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the one fruit. If the Spirit of God is living and active and, and, and fruitful in your life, then love will be produced. That's the gift of the Spirit. And love is manifested in the remainder of these eight things that's described. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these things together make up this agape love. But agape love demonstrates itself in, in so many different ways. And that's what I love so much about the love of God being poured out into our hearts, Acts chapter 5. When you obey God's Spirit and you love people who are difficult to love, guess what? That's sacrificial love. That's unconditional love. Anyone can love a stranger because we don't have history with them. But isn't it true, it's a lot harder for us to love people that we know really well. Why? Because we have a history with them. We can smile and we can, we can say things to strangers out of the, uh, with the most kindest and tender tone. Uh, but at home, it should be even more tender, even more kind, even more patient. But so often, it's the opposite. And this is because it's not agape love. This is a fleshly love, which does not come from Jesus. And I hope if you're listening to this and you're a born-again Christian, um, examine your hearts and examine your life to see what love is being demonstrated 
in your life. There are different forms of it, but the agape love that Jesus has poured out into your hearts, the greatest demonstration of love that Jesus gave to each and every one of us is on the cross, and there's he answered every question on the cross. There's never a moment where we have to doubt if he really loves us or not. So, Kathy, I hope that helps. Uh, I will leave the rest of the questions for Pastor Ron. We've got less than two minutes left in the show. Uh, let me remind you that tonight is Friday night. Uh, Pastor Chris Garcia will be teaching at 7 o'clock, uh, so you can keep him in prayer. Also keep Pastor Ron and Paula in prayer as they fly back home tomorrow. Uh, Pastor Ron will be teaching uh, on Sunday, picking it up in Luke where he left off. One of his favorite studies is in Luke chapter 19. This is where we're going to be with Zacchaeus. He has been talking about that for a while. Um, prayer, if you're interested, we do corporate prayer uh, Saturday mornings. That's tomorrow at 930. That'll be here at the church. And let me also say this. Thank you to the radio listening audience. It really has been my pleasure. I indicated earlier that this is something I, I'm not comfortable doing the radio show. Pastor Ron has his gifting and he is great at it. Uh, but you know what? This is what the Lord told me to do. It's not about comfort. I want, I wanted to put my faith into action and see what the Lord will do. And you know what? It's been a huge blessing, a huge blessing for me. Joy of Jesus is coming up. You'll hear more about that next week. Uh, keep us in prayer. We've got a lot going on. This has been the Word to Stand On for Life. Thank you for spending the week with me. Go to church. See you next week. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.